All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wine, Women, and Words. I am Michelle, and of course, Diana is here as well. And this is actually, I think, the first time we've had four people in in uh, an episode. It's really cool to see the whole line of, of faces on the bottom. We have Stacy, who joined us last week. She Hi. came for the converse, for the conversation tonight. Hi, Stacy. Hi. How are y'all? Good. Thanks for coming back. And of course, tonight we have Greer McAllister, the author of Girl in Disguise. Hi, Greer. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for coming. We've. I love that um, that you watch all the episodes each week and comment on on what we talk about. It's it's really fun to to hear like your thoughts and your feedback as the weeks progress. So. I know that you are pretty up to speed with all of our, our fantasy casting for Girl in Disguise. And I don't think... It's been super fun, although <laughs> since I wasn't watching live on the, the first one, I couldn't like help you remember which Chris is which. Um, <laughs> I, I did like the Chris Pine for Bellamy suggestion. That was really awesome. So, uh, and it's been fun. It's especially fun when you're only partway through and you're like, oh, I think this is going to happen or I don't know what's going on with this. And I'm like, I know what's going on with that. <laughs> yeah, that was me before Diana and Stacy actually hit chapter 26. <laughs> yes, which we're going to have to unpack that here in a moment. So, oh, yeah. but before I forget, okay, we got to go round robin. What's everybody drinking? Well, All right. I'm super proud of mine, so I wanted I want to show you guys. And I didn't even say like I, I sort of hinted at it on social media earlier, but I didn't want to show you because I wanted it to be a surprise. This I found at Trader Joe's this morning called Well Read. Ooh, so wow. it's books on it. It's called Well Read. Love it. Um, oh I didn't know God. if it was going to be any good or not. It's actually better than I expected. Um, so you might be able to find it at your local Trader Joe's. It's a California red wine. What kind of grapes are in it? Nobody knows, uh, but it's red. But the California grapes. Because they're happy. Grapes, and it says, and it's got, you know, well red right there on the, on the top. So it's uh, good for your book club. Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, that's awesome. I have to go look, find a Trader Joe's here now and see if I can find that. Okay, Stacy, your turn. I'm drinking a uh, Coppola Claret. It's a red also. And Michelle? No obvious uh, odd butt man out. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it's a rosé. I know that. Um, oh, okay. So it is red. I, for a while there, I thought it was white. So I was like, okay, there's got to be one rebel in the group. <laughs> <laughs> like a semi-rebel. A rebel that like wants to be different, but isn't totally comfortable with breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much me. Um, but I, I forget what kind it is. It, it was a giant bottle. It was one of those, but it's good. Oh. Giant bottles are always good. And I've got the Thomas McCormick, um, Petite Syrah from the California Wine Club. Oh, I saw you post oh. about that last week, that it was really good. Mm-hmm. It is. I have to, I have to try it. Yes. Yes. You've got to do it. Since I've got every other month, Michelle, you've got to do August. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll could, switch off. But one of us will always have a new order coming in. Exactly. Exactly. Now, for those of you watching and listening, it's www.podcast is a special promo code to get 10% off everything. And really, okay. any discount off of wine is, is a good good day. Good day for everyone. Yes. Yeah, and then they also have, I was checking it out, they also have um, really cheap clearance wines, like the stuff that they're like trying to get rid of. For like ten dollars and under, for like the the stuff that's going to be discontinued because they're short runs. So I'm like, oh, I need to buy those. <laughs> There's okay. a winery that that I found in Kansas that has a whole line. It's called Oz Wineries, I think, or something like that. And it's all about the Wizard of Oz and their labels and the names of their wines are to die for. And Wizard of Oz is like my thing. And one day I was just like, well, let's see how much. And I just like picked out, I think five or six wines that I wanted to buy based strictly on their labels. And it was like $200. I was like, 
I better wait. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can justify this right now, but hopefully one day I can go. My back. husband has a beer out of there that he really enjoys. It's called Flying Monkeys. Nice. Their labels are so cute. I mean, I hope the wine is, I'm sure the wine is just as good, but the labels are adorable. Anyway. Anyway. Okay, so let's, um, before we get into everything else here, because we got some unpacking, we got some serious discussion to do from like chapter 26 on, because um, I'm just going to bounce out of that, because, you know, after reading that, I seriously felt like we all needed a glass of wine and a big glass of wine and a nice pat in the head and to be put to bed after that because damn I was <laughs> and just as a spoiler for anybody who hasn't read the book we are going to be talking about the whole book in its entirety spoilers and all so earmuffs mute button watch us tomorrow finish the book tonight yes because mm -hmm. we're not holding back <laughs> So do, do we yeah, want to start with chapter 26? Is that where we want to start this evening? Yes. <laughs> yes. We're, we'll get back to the other stuff. Let's start with chapter 26. So seriously, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and I did not even check. I heard you guys start. Chapter 26 came up very early in the discussion, and I... I haven't looked to see what it is, but I know what it is. Like, yeah, the biggest with with our... Stuff to readers on purpose. I'm like, I I'm gonna make you think that she's gonna save him at the last minute and everything's gonna be fine, but she doesn't, and it's not fine. Um, so yeah, so no, that was no. uh, and I deserve you know all of the throwing of books across the room and all of yeah. the fury and all of the like anger. It's just totally intentional. Um, because what I really like when I'm reading, I think a lot of writers, not every writer, but a lot of us are writing the kinds of books we like to read. And I love to be surprised. Like if I figure out what's going to happen, I get kind of annoyed. Um, so I figure out some of what's going to happen. And I think there are comments and things from people who said, oh, well, I, you know, as soon as Bellamy shows up and they don't like each other, you know, they're going to get together. I'm like, all right, that's that's fair. Like, that's a common thing that happens is the, you know, hate to love thing. Um, but are you going to guess that he's going to get hanged? Maybe not. So, uh, you know, I played with some different ideas, but that was, um, I wanted to, I wanted to own that one. I wanted it to be, um, you know, a love story between a woman and her job. And so, of course, she doesn't live without love. She doesn't, you know, just, you know, it's not just her job. Mm -hmm. There are the possibilities of entanglements. There's the guy in the jewelry store. There are lots of other things um, because she has that part of herself. But I didn't want it to be a happily ever after, like she finds love and everything's okay because mm -hmm. it's not about that for her. It's about the job for her. It's about the work for her. Well, when I was, I, I think before the very first episode, I, I started researching because I didn't know uh, and I said this in the first episode, I had no idea that Kate Warren was real. And um, when I was Googling, I was researching Pinkerton, because that's who I, who I was going to talk about at first for the first episode. And I saw, like, Wikipedia pulled up of Kate Warren. I was like, what? So I started reading, and I, I read that one of the spies got hanged for being, um, for espionage. So I'm reading the book, and you know he gets sent to sent away, and I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> and and this was one of the rare books that I was ahead of Diana in reading, and that it usually is not the case. So I had no one to like freak out to. <laughs> Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that, Michelle? Greer's because she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had I had the same reaction. I was um, I was not expecting that at all. I didn't re I knew she was real, but I didn't research anything before I read it because I just wanted it to play out and I wanted to see what she did with it. Um, so I wasn't expecting that, and then when it happened, I was like, "This poor woman, like she's lost her child. She has no parents, and now she's just found this man." And I mean, it it completely threw me for a loop. I just I was like, has she been through enough? <laughs> I wanted her to have just a little something um, 
but I, again, like the way she handled it, she just was such a force. I, I, I just really, I liked her character in that she was always strong. And even though like all of these things kept coming at her, she just, she, she never backed down. She just kept going and persevering. And I just was really, so then I, after I researched, um, after it was over, I, I wanted to research her and there's so little, well, at least online, there's so little information about her. There weren't even really pictures. So that right, whole right. thing just completely intrigues me how she's really just this enigma. And um, I don't know. I, I just thought it was so well done. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, like when I was doing the pictures, when I was doing, um, we did the Fierce Femme and we did the interview group, uh, and I pulled up pictures and I saw Civil War. And mm -hmm. that's like one of the few pictures of her, but that's not a proven picture, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, I got somebody used it. I think Sourcebooks used that picture in some promotion that they did. And then like some guy on Twitter is like, no, that's been proven not to be her. Um, and don't read everything, you know, don't believe everything you read on Twitter, obviously. But <laughs> um, there is there is some controversy about like, is that really her? Um, and, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, she was a spy for mm -hmm. part of part of her career. And they don't necessarily like to have a lot of stuff documented. Um, and I did find actually after the book was published, I found an article about her that had a watercolor that was done while she was living. So there is some like resemblance where you're like, okay, this is probably kind of what she looked like, <laughs> but that's yeah. it. Like you can even find like Alan Pinkerton, you can find a lot of pictures of Alan mm -hmm. Pinkerton, but not of Kate Warren. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of interesting because he was a spy as well. I mean, he, in in real life, he was the one who would pose with her as her husband. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of surprising to see that there are so many pictures of him and and really nothing of her. Yeah. And I and it, it, as as we're talking about about it, I'm looking at the cover, which we've all said multiple oh, times. Love it. Mm -hmm. um, but it kind of speaks to how like her face. You can't really see her face at all. Yeah. And it makes sense on more than one level now because yeah. we really don't know what she looked like. Yeah. I've really lucked out both the magician's lie cover and the girl in disguise covers like have been oh, just they're beautiful. Yeah. Source books is really good at that. Yes. I really liked it. Even though I did read, I did see the video with the, uh, where authors are reading. <laughs> oh, that was horrible. That was so horrible. I just I couldn't help but laugh with with the book cover. I'm like, and I love that book cover. That was one of the things that drew me in about that book. That great cover. Yeah, there was only one review about that. So you know, a lot of other people have said that that they liked it, and I liked it. But you never know. You never know. There's some reader out there who will think anything and say anything and take to take to Goodreads to review uh, and tell you what uh, what they think. Oh, Michelle and I used to work in uh, travel, and not just any travel, timeshare, ownership travel. So we know the most random complaints that you can get. <laughs> like, I, I think we legitimately got one time, we got a complaint. I got a complaint. I sent a woman to Italy, and I called her when she got back from her vacation to see, or no, it wasn't me. It was one of my coworkers. So they called her. Uh, to see how, how their trip went and how, 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 if they had a good time. And she said, you know, we had a great time, but the food was terrible. And, and you think Italy, I mean, how can the food be terrible in Italy? And they said, you know, there was not a single Olive Garden. Like, <gasps> seriously. Yeah. Oh, no, there wasn't. No, because that's not real Italian food. So thank you. <laughs> So yeah, people will complain about the most random things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anyway, so, so oh, sorry, whoever that was, go ahead. Okay, well, I was thinking, let's go back to, since we started talking about Pinkerton and them posing as a couple, um, in the, now, commonly, when you, when you research Kate, it's always Pinkerton and Kate together and that he, they had this affair, but you chose not to do that. I'm curious as to why. 
I almost did. It was in sort of this first draft of my outline. And then the deeper I dug, like you said, there isn't a ton, there isn't a ton of information on her. And there isn't, as far as I could find, any real evidence. Um, so I don't know if you guys could hear what I just said, because you guys froze, but I don't know if I froze. Oh, um, <laughs> but there's no real evidence that they had an affair, as far as I can tell. Like, she posed as his wife, he posed as her husband, but they both did that with other agents as well. And so if we don't know that there was an affair, like, I would prefer to say and to think um, he says nice things about her because she's a really great agent and not he says nice things about her because they were secretly sleeping together. So um, I really felt like in order to make her story stronger, in order to have it just be about she's really good at her job. I didn't want them to be entangled. I wanted her to sort of wonder about it because that plays into the plot. Uh, but I thought it was a stronger story of her being empowered, her being strong, if there's no sexual element to it, if it's just she's good at her job. Um, and obviously, you know, sometimes people do sleep with people that they work with, uh, <laughs> or at least think about it a lot. Um, but in her particular case, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go down that road. And I've read a novel where they did go down that road. And that was like the plot of the entire novel is, hey, they want to sleep together and they don't do it for a while, but then they do. Um, and that's like the whole book. So um, I wanted to go in a totally different direction. And is she, is she buried in his family plot? She is buried in his family plot. And I know that uh, Michelle is thinking about going there and I got to go there and it was awesome. So I can tell you all about it. And then you should definitely go because it's really, really cool. I really want uh, to. But, you know, yeah, not too um, and right on and you kind of wander around looking, <laughs> looking for stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I went on a really great day in April and the information online, one of the things that they argue is, oh, well, why would she be buried in his plot if she right. weren't his mistress? Um, and then one of my other friends is like, well, why would his wife put up with it if she were his mistress? Mm -hmm. uh, why would she allow that to happen? So, um, you know, he or Pinkerton did. So the I wife had a say, right? First. I got to look that up. I got to look that up. Um, yeah. I thought he died first, but I could, I could be wrong. Kate definitely, Kate died way before Pinkerton did. He was much older than her. She died, um, in 1868. Mm -hmm. So, um, he, he, I think he may have, might've died like up to 20 years after her, but, um, but in any case, so you go and it's the Pinkerton family plot and you've got this great big, uh, obelisk in the middle that's him. Uh, and then immediate members of his family and way off to the side, I'll post a picture of it on, on social media so you guys can see, way off to the side, there's this little collection of stones, like three or four in a row. And one is sort of a, a memorial to Pinkerton agents who've died in the line of duty. Um, so it's just sort of a general stone. And then mm -hmm. there's, and then there's a little one that you can't make out the name on, or at least I have not been able to make out the name on. And then there's Timothy Webster. Um, who was the one that I um, based Tim Bellamy on. Now, Tim Webster um, was married with kids, and I didn't, I didn't want to use his name because I wasn't using him as a person, as a character. Um, but a lot of what happens to Tim Bellamy is based on what happened to Tim Webster. So, um, but he's there. So it's Tim and Kate and a general other stone. Um, so it's not just like, hey, there's Pinkerton and his wife and Kate. It's like okay. Pinkerton and his family and then some Pinkerton agents off to the side and she's one of them. So, okay, that makes uh, more sense. And I can see more right. why you did things the way you did because when everybody talks about, oh, she's buried in his family plot, they just, they say that. They don't say that it's the other agents and, you know, Webster and stuff. It's like, yeah, now I can totally understand why she's there in that plot. Yeah. And you kind of picture, like, you picture, you know, his wife, him, and Kate, and it's like, right. why on earth? That would raise some questions. <laughs> but it's nice that he did that for, for all of, you know, for his agents, that he had that set up for 
for them near his family plot that kind of shows how much they meant to him um, and, and and all the work that they did for him. I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, for better or worse, right? It's his name on the agency. So it's, it's they are Pinkertons. Like they, they're not born Pinkertons, but they worked for him and they became, um, in a sense, like, you know, family. So it's really, uh, it's an interesting uh, dynamic. Yeah, I quite like that. It shows, I mean, it also shows his character too, that he, right. he really, really cared about them and they weren't disposable people. Right. And, and they, I did see in some sources that he was there when she died. Um, she died very suddenly of like pneumonia, some sort of pulmonary illness in the middle of the winter in Chicago. And, you know, Chicago winters. Um, so uh, and her family, as far as we can tell, her family was not there. So he was sort of standing in his family to be there mm -hmm. when she was ill. And that was, you know, that was when she passed away in 1868. Now, speaking of her family, this is a question that I just just popped into my head when we were talking about her parents. Was that whole um, the return of her parents in your story? Was that all fictionalized? What, did they ever make contact with her after she kind of like w went off on her own? No, as far as I know, um, they they were not in contact there was not a t huge amount of information about her parents there are some somebody did trace and say like okay well this must have been the warren family of isaiah warren that came from new york that moved out here but it's not it's not at all clear whether that's actually just a family named warren or whether that was actually her family um and nobody knows anything about her husband as far as i can tell so i'm like okay she had a husband or did she you know that's another uh, question. So it really, had I been a biographer, I would have been screwed because there's no <laughs> reliable information on this woman. Um, and actually, this is a good opportunity for me to bring up, um, there are children's books on Kate Warren now. Um, really? My children, my children are too young for them because one of them is about the assassination attempt uh, and one of them <laughs> is about embezzlement. And my children are three and five years old, and I don't think they have an interest in it yet. Um, but I got a copy of this one, Kate Warren Pinkerton Detective, um, which is about the Adams Express case, which I did write about, where she, um, Maroney, steals the money from the train, and then she goes and befriends his wife and daughter um, in Philadelphia. So that's all based on an actual case that she worked. Um, and we are going from the same information, but this author that, you know, took it in a different direction. So I have my Kate and she has her Kate and everybody else, everybody who's written about Kate in a fictional setting has their own Kate. Her Kate is not actually a widow. Um, she is lying about being a widow because she can get sort of automatic cred by saying she's a widow versus being a single, un, you know, never married, 23 year old, 26 year old woman um, coming in and asking for a job. So in this case, she's lying about being a widow. In my case, she actually is a widow. Um, and you have, you know, you have Alan Pinkerton's word for the fact that she was a widow. So take that with, uh, you know, uh, the appropriate grain of salt. But um, so I said, okay, she said she was a widow. I'm going to say that she was a widow. What husband do I give her? Um, and I thought it would be so much more interesting if she didn't, if she was kind of okay with the fact that her husband had died <laughs> had lost this great love and so she'll never love again because that's much more common mm -hmm. um i wanted it to be a little bit different so i gave her um i gave her the husband that she never wanted in the first place um and then also those parents i gave her those parents who are not good parents like they're the worst mm -hmm. um but she was a person, according to this is the historical record, like what we know that she did, we know that she was able to infiltrate Southern society groups and talk like a Southerner and act like a Southerner so convincingly that she wasn't exposed. And so I wanted her to have sort of this experience acting, this experience with accents, like this idea that she had traveled around a lot was helpful. So I wanted to put the things in her background that helped it make sense. Uh, that she had done these things. But now, her parents are completely fictional. Her husband is completely fictional. All of that stuff. The, the 
child who died is completely fictional, all of that. There's no evidence in the historical record for that. And so I'm assuming there's no evidence in the historical record about the infertility either? Right, yeah, we don't, we don't know. We don't know if she didn't, if she didn't want to have kids, if she wasn't able to have kids. We know that she never did have kids. Well, I have to say, I love the fact that you put in the infertility because that's something that's, you know, I have and I'm dealing with. And so I love having this character where you can go into the story and you can be like, okay, she's not going to get knocked up and I'm not going to have to deal with somebody else getting pregnant before me. So I love that. And I love the concept that you have, um, that we can have, you know, everybody has to have that hero that they look up to. And the fact that we have Kate who can you know, focus, laser focus on the job and not have to deal with, you know, that, that infertility just kind of, she's able to separate it and compartmentalize. And I think that's one of the reasons why she does what she does so well. Right. And so it's kind of the, it's that nice role model to have for that kind of stuff. Good. So I love that you put that in there. Good. She does <laughs> some dodgy things, but I do want people to overall be like, okay, she's good. She's like, She's all right as a role model for you know your teenage kids if you're if you're gonna allow them to read. Uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely! I would say um, yeah. age. Yeah, I would say uh, you know what tenth grader? Would you guys say ninth, tenth grader, tenth? I mean, I probably would have read it. In I, I would have read it. Yeah, I think right about that that time frame was when I would read it too. Mm -hmm. But you know, talking about the stuff that you put in there. I want to bring up the, um, oh, what was the name of that magazine, The Millions? That article that you did about inserting uh, modern feminism into historical fiction. Um, what were some of your challenges then with Katie? You don't have so much of a historical record to go from. So, right. so you don't, are, were you walking this fine line of doing what was proper for the period and, or what, what, what you wanted to have her do? Exactly. I mean, I think you have the historical record. You know she went in and asked for a job at a time that most women would not even think to ask for a job. Like the, the newspaper ad doesn't say only men can apply because only men would apply. Like most women would not even think about it. Um, but I didn't, it, it is exactly, it's walking that fine line between what's period appropriate, what's going to be anachronistic, what, you know, what you, you want a, a protagonist that women can identify with and cheer for and like I do I do want teenage girls to read this and be like oh my gosh I didn't know about the first female detective this is so awesome like Kate Warren is great um but I also want her to live and breathe as a complex person on the page which is mm -hmm. tricky but I also want her to not be you can't just take and you shouldn't just take a modern woman and plop her down in 1856 and say okay, she was going to go out and advocate for her fellow women and she was going to make speeches about how women should have the right to work. Like, that's not, as far as we know, what Kate did. And I don't think that it would have rung true. She's in it. She's in it to, she's not breaking down a barrier to break down a barrier. She's breaking down a barrier. She needs a job. Mm -hmm. Really bad. Um, so I think you can take her as a feminist example without saying, oh, Kate Warren was a feminist. Like, we don't know that. And she, mm -hmm. even if she was, she wouldn't have used that word to, mm -hmm. to describe it. Um, so that essay was actually, was really fun to write. Um, and I, it's getting lots of great feedback and I'm really excited about it because it's just, you can't say, oh, the women of the past were not like us because they were and they weren't. Like some of them did wish for more, a lot of them didn't, um, but I'm going to write the books about the ones that I find interesting, whichever of those two categories they fall into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like, like looking at Kate, who's you know, 1856, and you have this, and another one that comes to mind is uh, Stephanie Gray and um, I want to say Laura, the first um, America's first daughter. America's first daughter. Yeah, Laura Kamoy. Yeah. 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 They, um, you know, it's when I was first reading it, so I'm so used to these brash women like, you know, like Kate, like the character that I've been writing and, you know, that are just out there and, you know, definite, you know, you look at them, they're like, okay, they're going to be this feminist icon. And then you see um, Thomas Jefferson's daughter, uh, Patty, or is it Patsy? Patsy. Patsy. Who, yeah, she starts off. And at first I didn't like her at all. I'm like, oh, God, there was this whole book with this very meek, this very calm woman who's very different from anything that I've ever read, that I typically read or, or that I've written. And, but you see 
that's a great example of the whole um, using feminism within that time period because she had to definitely work within that time frame and be, you know, who she was, but yet, you know, still had some barriers that she had to deal with, I guess you could say. Yeah. And still had 14 children. Yes. That's yeah. what she did. She literally did have 14 children. So you yes. kind of have to say that. Um, yeah. Yeah, using real people in historical fiction. So it's a lot easier not to, but it's interesting when you do. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I feel like I've been asking all of the questions. So Michelle and Stacy, you got questions? Well, I know um, Stacy and I were kind of talking a little bit about Hattie. Mm -hmm. um, she she comes in late, you know, later in the story, but she becomes a, a really prominent figure in you know what happens. And at first, I didn't like her. Like she, the whole um, I can't remember their names. The the daughter of the one gangster who. Or oh mom, yeah. who got, I'm not sure her. I can remember their names either. I think <laughs> Belle. Belle is one of them. Um, yeah. Belle is one thing. I was like, who is this woman? Like, let's let's calm down, okay? It's your first <laughs> first case. Let's let's relax. But um, Stacy and I were talking about how there isn't any we couldn't find. Like I just Googled, so I'm, you know I'm sure my resources aren't as far reaching. But I couldn't find anything on her after the war. Did she just like drop off the face of the earth? I don't know what happened to her. Um, I know that she was there when um, Tim Bellamy got hanged. She was she was in Richmond at the same time that he, she was there pretending to be his wife. Um, but I don't know anything about what happened to her after that. So she was definitely hired. She was, I'm pretty sure that she was in Baltimore in for the assassination and that she was there in Richmond uh, when Tim uh, said Bellamy, but it's the other one, Tim Webster. <laughs> Tim Webster is the real guy. Um, she was there pretending to be his wife um, in, uh, when, when he was caught, but I don't have anything about what happened to her. And so I bought, I, I've run into Rose, the Confederate spy twice now in two different books. So I had to go out and I bought this book. Oh, that um, book is so great. Yes. I just started reading it like last night or the night before and it's so good. Um, and then I was researching and working on my questions for, for tonight, and I had no idea that Hattie was traded for Belle Boyd. Mm -hmm. When um, the North caught Belle, they traded for Hattie to, to set her free. And I texted Diana, I was like, oh my God, did you know that, that Hattie was traded for Belle? And there's like one mention, I think I put in like a very small mention of Belle Boyd because I could not not mention Belle Boyd, but she's not a character. She's just, I think somebody, somebody makes reference to her when, uh, when Kate is in Richmond. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, Elizabeth Van Lewis is in there briefly too. But yeah, I loved um, Liar Temptress, Soldier Spy. That was part of my inspiration because I had read it um, while I was working on the concept when I, when I realized that the Civil War spying stuff uh, that um, that Kate must have done crossed over with that time period. I'm like, okay, yeah, Rose is going in. Rose is going in. And what happens to Rose in the book, in Girl in Disguise, happened in real life. Like, she sank because uh, yeah. she was weighed down by her money. And it's like, it's just the best, like worst, but also amazing um, thing to Thing to use. So, so was Kate was was Kate in real life instrumental in in um, in the book when uh, Rose is actually caught and arrested there in Virginia? Was Kate really instrumental in that historically? Is that not as, not as far as I know? She was uh, caught by Pinkerton agents, but as far as I know, Kate was not one of them. But we don't. There's no. Right. About what Kate was doing at that point, so she might have been there, she might not, um, but it was definitely Pinkerton agents who were involved. Yeah, because I went ahead and I read about her, and I, when I read about she had the gold sewn into her dress when she sank mm -hmm. in the ship, and I was like, oh my gosh! Yeah, 
And they put her daughter in prison with her. They're like, you need to go to prison, but we don't know what to do with your daughter. So your daughter's going to like your seven or eight year old daughter is going to hang out with you in prison. Like, right. That's yeah. interesting. So. I've read about other countries doing that, where they just put the, the kids with the mothers and they just keep them together. So it's. Yeah. I don't know which is worse. I don't know if it's worse to be separated or worse to be together in that kind of situation. Pretty awful. I didn't know um, before I started reading Liar Temptress Soldier Spy, I didn't realize that Rose had like six other children, five mm -hmm. or six other daughters besides yeah, little Rose. So now it's like, well, why didn't they just send her to one of her sisters to take care of her? But um, maybe she, Rose didn't want to tell them where any of her other daughters were. Mm. Yeah, I keep telling you, Michelle, you're so obsessed with the the character that I think uh, you're gonna have to start writing a book. Well, yeah, a minor obsession has begun because I mean, depending on how how you look at at her, Rose, you know, to the Confederacy during the the Civil War, she was a hero. You know, she was you know, fighting yeah. for her country and you know, supporting her troops. And then, of course, from the North, she was, you know, an enemy of the state and a spy and and a traitor. So it, depending on which side of history you're looking at her from, it decides how you view her. But she's still a really fascinating person to read about. And you know we love our villains. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> but... I'm I'm spanning like two wars right now because I went out and I picked up the Ron Chernow um, biography on Alexander Hamilton mm -hmm. because I told Diana I figure if I read that while I'm listening to the soundtrack it's like I'm watching the musical <laughs> <laughs> and then now I'm reading this so I'm spanning like a whole section of American history reading these two books but it's really fun. Cool. That's why history is so much, that's why I love historical fiction. It's so much more interesting than like standard fiction because the stuff actually happened. You actually had people like Kate with these adventures and the stuff that she did, you can't really make up. You can't make up anything better than this. That's right. And it's sometimes implausible. Like, um, I don't know if you guys have read Girl Waits with Gun by, um, Amy Stewart. So she wrote Girl Waits with Gun about the this woman who becomes the first female deputy sheriff in New Jersey in like the 30s, I think. Might have been a little earlier than that. Um, but the woman's name is Constance Kopp, K-O-P-P. -P. Like one of the first police women was named Kopp. And if I had been a beta reader and if it were completely fiction, I would have been like, don't do that. That's not believable. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to change that name or people are going to laugh. But people do laugh. But it's true. Like, it mm -hmm. is true. You can't make it up. And I love, so I, I guess we kind of skipped over a major question here, which is what made you decide to write about Kate to begin with? Well, part of it was just, I ran across a mention of her and I don't even know where it was, um, but I saw something about, okay, for Kate Warren, first female Pinkerton detective, 1856. I'm like, wow, that seems really early. And also, why have I never heard of this woman? I am mumbledy mumble years old and how have I not heard Sally Ride, Amelia Earhart, like, you know, some of these female pioneers names and never had anybody said Kate Warren to me. So I was actually talking to my editor. Um, Magician's Lie was not out yet, but it was done. And so she and I and she and I were both pregnant uh, and we're like, we really need to talk about what's, you know, coming down the road because we don't know what's going on. Um, and so I said, well, I have this one book. So I think all of you guys have read The Magician's Lie. Um, and Michelle's read part of it. Stacey and I have read it. Michelle needs yeah. to finish it. Cool. I'm not going to give I'm anything away. Um, <laughs> but in the magician's life, the magician, the main magician in the magician's lie is not real. Like I made up the amazing Arden. She is, she's totally not real, but Adelaide Herman, who is a character in there is real. Hmm. So, um, I found out after I had written The Magician's Lie that Adelaide Herman actually had memoirs 
um, and they were published and they're completely unbelievable, but really cool. She's like running from bandits in Mexico in like 1850. And like, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's really interesting. So, so I talked to my editor and I'm like, I might write this book about Adelaide Herman. Here's what the title would be. Here are the different chapters. Like here's some sample pages. I had tons of stuff done on Adelaide Herman because I had researched her for The Magician's Lie. I said, so I could either write that or I read this thing the other day about the first female Pinkerton detective. And she's like, ooh, first female Pinkerton detective? Why have I never heard of this woman? I'm like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's what you need. That's what you want. Like you want a reader to say, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out more. Um, and that's kind of the best you can hope for as, a, as an author um, that they're gonna, that the book is going to have some sort of something to pull people in. So that was, that was really the impetus. It was mine to investigate and find out. And then it was the hope that readers would also want to investigate and find out. Um, and it turned out after I started writing it, um, I moved to DC where the Library of Congress is and the Library of Congress has the Pinkerton Agency archives. So I went down there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be spending like days and days going through the archives about Kate Warren. And I got my library card um, and I was there a day and done. Like that's all there was. Even, you know, there's, there's a certain amount on the internet. Basically the Wikipedia article covers 95% of it. Um, and then I went and looked in the actual archives and in the actual archives, you have maybe four or five cases that she worked on and that's it. Um, did that cause a lot of uh, a big challenge for you in writing the book? That there was just so little of the actual research to go on? Yes and no. I mean, I think that um, it really, it, it opened it up. Like it creates this open space where you can fill in narrative. And so you don't have to stitch together things between like, I want to use this, I want to use this, I want to use this. And it doesn't always make sense. It's like the, you know, you can't make this stuff up. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes reality is not plausible. <laughs> um, so I was able, I was able to fill things in. I was able to give her like, okay, here's this love story that probably didn't happen, but I like to have a love story um, in the books that I read and the books that I write, um, or at least a romantic interest of some kind. I like to have, um, you know, conflicts, uh, and I used most of what she actually did. I didn't use everything that she actually did because um, I needed to only I needed to keep the story moving forward. And so there's a case that's briefly referred to about uh, a guy who's trying or a, a woman and her lover who are trying to poison her brother so yeah. he can have his money. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the actual cases that we know that she worked on. On. And there's actually a, a good amount of information on it. We know the people's names. We know, um, you know, exact the name that she was using when she was pretending to be medium and all that stuff. But it didn't fit anywhere in the book. Like that, I needed to keep things moving um, in the front half of the book. So that might become like a deleted scene because I wrote it. Um, of course, uh, I throw out a lot of not throw out, but I set aside a lot of my writing. I'm a very sloppy writer, so I write stuff and then I pull out and, and put in stuff around. Um, you and I have so much to common, then when it comes to writing. <laughs> You're like, well, now my writing because well, we have so much in common between <laughs> the sloppy writing and a bunch of stuff and like set absolutely. it aside. I can't delete anything that I write. Even if I don't like it, I don't delete it. I just put it in another file to set aside. It just makes me feel better. <laughs> it can always come in. It can always come in handy later. Like the, the book that I'm working on now, I use a metaphor that I remember using in college for like something that never went anywhere. Yeah. But I needed, you know, I needed a phrase. Here it is. It, you know, it works great. So. <laughs> well, so you're working on another book now. Any hints on it or uh what about be about any kind of previews special exclusives yeah uh, so i'm not talking about it much because it's still very very much in progress um but it's it's in the same vein as the previous two books but also different it's set in 1888 uh -huh. in san francisco mm -hmm. um, and it's partially inspired by nelly bly um who is an awesome journalist um, <laughs> very well, very familiar with Nellie Bly. Excellent, oh, Nellie Bly is so cool. Um, but 
I wanted to, I used it as sort of a jumping off point. So there's this thing um, where Nellie Bly goes undercover in an insane asylum. Mm -hmm. um, like write an expose. And I'm like, well, I don't want to write a journalist character. And plus, obviously, journalists are much better than spies when it comes to documenting their stuff. Um, <laughs> so everything that Nellie Bly did is written down because that was the point. Like she did it in order to write it down and publish it. Um, so I didn't want to write about her specifically, but I love this idea of going to an insane asylum and finding it's easier to get in than it is to get out. <laughs> so that is that. That is the character that I'm writing right now. Oh, so exciting. That is so exciting. <laughs> I did um, a lot of research on Nellie Bly for a project Diane and I uh, have been working on. And then I interviewed a woman who does um, like historical fiction one woman shows where she like oh. up as the, um, the person that she is, is doing, and then she does a performance as that woman. So she's done like Zelda Fitzgerald, and and Nellie Bly was one of the, the people that she she does. And Nellie is such an interesting person. So that's very exciting. And I'm reading, um, I keep, I, I'm always reading like six different books at a time, which I understand is probably what you guys do too. Um, <laughs> But the nonfiction book that I keep meaning to get back to is about the, her race around the world with Elizabeth Bisland. Mm -hmm. um, so that I don't think I can write a novel about because it's it's beautifully documented, but it's such an interesting story. So she did, like, there are so many stories just in Nellie Bly. Like, she did The Madhouse, she did The Race, she did, you know, all of this other stuff. Um, and she's a really cool female pioneer that, you know, a lot of people know her name, but I think more people should. Mm -hmm. should. Even though it's not actually her name, um, <laughs> because it's a pseudonym, but um, but she's a good person now. Yeah, and she was the first foreign first female foreign war correspondent during World War One, um, kind of by accident, but yeah, she did it. Still counts. Definitely still counts. <laughs> um, so, and another character that I loved, and I'm still kind, I mean, obviously, we love Bellamy, huge, huge fans of Bellamy, but I was really... As I admitted yesterday, I, I or Tuesday, kind of have a crush on Bellamy, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he, there's one character from a book that Diane and I both read a long time ago, um, Diane, help me out, the... Okay. Um, that give me a little more. <laughs> um, Stanton. 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 <laughs> yeah, the the guy in it, his name is Stanton, and it's the oh um Native Star. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of like a little steampunk ish set in the uh, set in the San Francisco in like the eighteen hundreds ish, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So same time period, different place, but the character in that book reminds me so much of Bellamy. That's like the mental image I have for both of them is very similar. Well, personality, they're similar to me, but I would not cast them as the same person. Not same person, similar. Similar, yeah. Chris Pine could not play Stanton. No, probably not. <laughs> but, but I, that's kind of who he reminded me of when I was reading. But um, DeForest is another character that I just loved. Me too. And was it? She turned him down. Yeah, I was really bummed out that she said no. But again, the work work came first, and I I respected that, and I love these nineteenth century career women because. It's not just a thing of the 20th century where we have these women who, who love their jobs who are career women. We have them in the 19th century too, and I think they should be praised and championed for what they did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're very I, rare, but that's, you know, that's more reason to write about them, not less. Absolutely. Okay, but before we get too, too far into them, before we have to go, we do need to talk about fantasy casting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Now, I assume you approve of, you've heard our casting choices for Girl in the Skies. Yeah. And are you on point with us, or do you have some uh, some insights as to which, who you would like to see? 
I um so Chris Pine I had never thought of for Bellamy, but it's interesting because I I was much better the, with the Magician's Lie actually like having my casting choices match the physical descriptions <laughs> that I put into the book because um, I actually had pictures of actors like on my desktop as a way to help me describe people and and stay in touch with them. In Girl in Disguise, I had sort of a mental image and I had sort of sometimes an actor that I was thinking of, but the actor doesn't actually look like, um, and is usually not even the same age as the character. So like for Bellamy, I had Timothy Oliphant in mind, but he doesn't have blue eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but if you've seen Deadwood or you've seen Justified, like he's this tall, lanky mm -hmm. dude, you can like either seem I really mean or really sweet, like depending, mm -hmm. um, very sexy. So yeah. um, I wanted to, I sort of had that. And as a practical concern, when I'm thinking about Kate, like I love Anna Kendrick for Kate, actually, because mm -hmm. I love Anna Kendrick and I love mm -hmm. Kate. Um, so I thought that made sense. But for Kate, there are so many actresses that I that are too unique looking. Mm -hmm. um, like I love Kristen Ritter who plays Jessica Jones, but you could slap a wig on her and you would still know it was her. Like she can't, she can't be disguised. Um, if you've seen her in one thing, you, you, sort of, you know what she looks like. But um, so I was thinking if they wanted to cast uh, somebody who kind of disappears, um, oh gosh, you know, I'm not going to be able to remember her name because I've had that much of the wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to our world. This is usually where we're way through things just get much much fuzzier um <laughs> brie larson that's right oh, so yeah. brie larson um was the mom in room mm -hmm. which i have not seen but if you look at her in different roles that she plays you mm -hmm. have no idea it's the same woman mm -hmm. she just, like she can be so changeable um and so as a practical concern, I'm like, you should have somebody who can look all sorts of different ways and sound all sorts of different ways and not be recognizable. She's going to be Captain Marvel. That's right. Yes. She may not have time. Yeah. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Pine may not have time either. <laughs> yes. No, or kind of, you know, a, a backup kind of resting thing. I mean, yeah. look at uh, Henry Cavill. He's going back and doing Superman. He's, he's doing oh. Oceans and Superman. And I just heard on the radio, I think it was there, I can't remember if it was there yesterday, um, for Ocean's 8, he has to have a mustache, and they won't let him shave it off. So while he's uh, in there shooting uh, the movie as Superman, they're going to have to CG off his mustache. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. So, so now he was really good in, uh, he was in the Tudors, I think. Yeah, he um, was. <laughs> which is definitely not a TV show that I recommend for historical accuracy, but it is fun. It is yeah. super fun. Yeah. It is a great, it was a great show. And I think that's when Michelle and I first fell in love with him. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've watched the tutors very, about. Very cool. Oh, um, the other, the other casting thing that I did have for girl in disguise, when I picture Hattie, I always pictured um, the girl who played Hermione, who now does lots of other things, Emma Watson. Emma yeah. Watson. But Ooh. to me, Hattie is just Emma Watson. She's like too pretty for words. Um, yeah. And that's you're always jealous of her, or at least I am. Um, but I thought like that's the sort of pixie-ish, young, really beautiful. But I love the I love the Blair. Um, Blake Lively. Uh, her real name's not Blair. What's her real name? Blake Lively. <laughs> Blake Lively. Thank you, Blake Lively. Um, the Blake Lively casting, I think, for Hattie is really for Hattie is really good too. So now we also have to discuss some uh, casting for Magician's Lot. Because uh, that's going to definitely be a movie, which is so exciting. I didn't see that wow. recently. I'm so excited about that. Um, you have no idea. I'm, I'm going to be there, you know, opening night uh, for sure when that can happen. And I actually think for Arden, I actually think Jessica Chastain should be Arden. Oh, that's right? Like, I yeah. never, I did not think of that. Like, I had a different actress in mind. And then there was somebody on an online book club um, and she said, have you ever thought about Jessica Chastain? And this was like months before the whole mm -hmm. actual film rights thing got done. She's like, oh, have you ever thought about Jessica Chastain for Arden? That's who I was picturing. And I'm like, no, but that's sort of interesting. And then Jessica Chastain bought the movie rights. And I'm like, <laughs> I could definitely see Jessica Chastain doing this. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if she's going to do it or if she's, you know, and 
Hollywood stuff is so uncertain. I don't even know if they're going to make it, but they they've made a lot of progress, and she does have the rights. And writer for it, so um, they have a writer and they have a script. So that's that's a really good sign. Yes. And plus, her her film company is so new that they don't have like they're not trying to develop twenty different movies. They're trying Mm -hmm. to develop like five different movies. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, mine will be. One of the first that would be really exciting. Yeah. Which is why it's <laughs> such a unique story that would make such a great movie. And I think the uh, the sheriff in it should be Sam Elliott. <gasps> yes, because <Ooh>. yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean I love those scenes between Arden and Elliot where mm-hmm. they're there and she's in the handcuffs and she's telling him the story. I think I've mentioned this to you before, Greer, uh, that I just, I always found those scenes to be so intimate and just so very, um, more dramatic than like the rest of the book because they're so, such close quarters and you're so drawn into her story in those times. And so- dramatic is the right word because I thought of it as a play. I'm like, this is a two person play because when you're mm-hmm. in a play and you have a stage, you're stuck there, like mm-hmm. in most, in most plays. You're there, you have a chair, you have like this bag with three things in it, you have the desk, you have the phone. Like mm-hmm. you only have a very limited amount of stuff and it's just the two of you and all you have are your words. And that's what I wanted her to, that's the position I wanted her to be in. It was like, all she's got is her words. And the first image that came to me was, he's standing over her in the chair, like he's got a uniform and a gun and she's mm-hmm. sitting in a chair with five pairs of handcuffs on and it looks like he's the one with all the power but the more they talk, the less that's true. So yeah. mm-hmm. very intentional uh, exploration there. I love it. I absolutely love it. And so those are the two that I've come up with uh, for it. Um, I'm thinking, um, I'm trying to remember the names because uh, forgive me, it has been a while since I've read it, but uh, her Arden's love interest, I see Oscar Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you need it, my screen froze. So, uh, uh, Oscar and, Isaac, who I see for her, uh, the magician's love interest. The guy never she hurts to have Oscar Isaac around. Plus, Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain know each other. Yeah, um, they, I could totally do they were in together. They were totally in a movie together. Yeah, so, yeah, hundred yeah. percent Oscar. Isaac. Yeah, I hope she's listening right now because, you know, these are some great points that she needs to, you know, develop. Good ideas. Because I'm a Star Wars fan, I swear. Uh, I do plan on renting The Promise this weekend. I'm so looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. That was something that he was at. Good stuff. (laughs) So anyways, so do we have before, because we're getting close to the hour on Unfortunately, because I mean, I could sit here and talk all night about the magician's lying girl in disguise. Um, any other, anybody else have any other questions? Because I feel like I keep dominating the conversation. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like fangirling all over the place. Just don't worry. <laughs> I also give very long answers. <laughs> Those are the answers we like, though. It's mm-hmm. I mean, just listening to to you know authors' processes and how they make the story. That's that's really all we want to talk about. And if I, if it, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I did want to. The one about um, John Wilkes Booth. That question is really good. Let me ask. Oh. Um, I don't know. Is that your question or Diana's question? Go for it. I have a couple of lists. Because when I read it, I was like, you know, the question did one. Okay, so the question was um, that there was an article on Civil War Women blog about Kate, and there was a brief mention of her coming into contact with John Wilkes Booth during her undercover work, rooting out Confederate sympathizers. Did you come across anything else about Booth being on Pinkerton's radar prior to Lincoln's assassination? Is it frozen? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Sorry. Okay, we're back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, think I, I read the question, so I think I know. Um, yeah, I did not run across anything about Kate Warren and John Wilkes Booth, so it's an interesting, like, maybe thing. Yeah, when I saw that question, I was like, well, that is fascinating, and wouldn't that be something if, yeah. if they had? Well, yeah. Because we know that she was there for this first Lincoln assassination mm-hmm. attempt, 
uh, in Baltimore that would have really changed a lot of things. Um, but I didn't see anything about her possibly being around in DC at the time of the, of the, mm -hmm. okay. the yeah. actual successful assassination. Definitely. And I don't know, I can't remember now if, if it was the same article that I read. I think it, it must have been because it was the only time that I saw that reference that it said something about it being like Pinkerton's like dying regret that he wasn't in charge of Lincoln's security detail that night. Um, yeah, that's, I've seen that, I've seen that in a number of places because he really, I mean, he basically established the Secret Service. Like before mm -hmm. then there was no, hey, we should probably protect to the guy who's going to be the president <laughs> or protect the guy while he is president or the woman while she is president, hopefully at some point in the future. Um, so there's no, there was no thought about that. And so because it wasn't part of the government, it had to be a private uh, service or something that established it. And Pinkerton, I used some of this in the book, but Pinkerton's agency worked a lot with the railroads. Abraham Lincoln worked with the railroads. Um, and it was because the Pinkertons were keeping keeping an ear to the ground about railroad-related stuff in the lead-up to the Civil War that they heard about the, the plot against Lincoln. So that was sort of there. And then so once they, once they successfully um, headed off that, um, that assassination attempt and they got more and more involved in security for the government and espionage and everything else, in the war, they had his ear. And so they basically, Pinkerton, Alan Pinkerton himself basically said, like, you need some people around to keep an eye on you. Um, but for whatever reason, and I don't know enough of the, of the facts to say why, but he wasn't, he wasn't there um, for Ford's theater. So and what it is. What's interesting is before your book, before Girl in Disguise, the only time I had ever heard about Pinkertons was um, about, it was the railroad, but it was, they were always bad guys, and it was always, you know, the Western settlers trying to stop the railroads from buying their land and kicking them out, and it was always the Pinkertons who were trying to stop them. So I never really knew who the Pinkertons were. I always thought they were, like, these jerks who just <laughs> wanted to help the railroad out. Yeah, it really depends on the period, and it depends on who you're talking to, whether or not the Pinkertons are the good guys or the bad guys. Because they're like, hey, we're stopping uh, train robberies, but also later on they're breaking strikes. Like, they're the muscle working for the companies that are keeping down the people who want labor laws. So they're doing, they're doing good things, they're doing bad things, they're investigating which is sometimes good depending on who they're investigating. Um, and then sometimes they're just the muscle. Sometimes they're just, um, you know, beating people up, which is not great. So um, for, for better or for worse, Alan Pinkerton's name, Pinkerton was the name of the agency and everything that's associated with everything they did over this broad span of time, because there's even a Pinkerton agency still today. It's all, you know, it all calls things up. Um, for different people, different events. Seamus Schultz, just like Rose. <laughs> How you look at her. Yes, uh, exactly. And that's, that's true. Those are the interesting people. Mm -hmm. Yes, Michelle, I mean, there needs to be a book about, about Rose. And I'm already working on a book, so, you know, and you're really interested in her, so you should write the book. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, I started started Ruby over again so Ruby's back and and school and all that but maybe I don't really need to sleep right I can yeah. line and and then I have an extra 12 hours as my grandmother always said you could sleep when you're dead true my my kids try to, to see to that <laughs> well we are definitely at our hour now but thank you so much Stacy for coming back and thank you for having me it was lovely to meet you Greer me to meet you Stacy and thank you so much Greer and we'll yes. have to stay 
stay updated on how the magician's lie is coming with the movie and the next, um, oh. the, the next book because I'm definitely going to have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, because you're officially part of the Wine, Women, and Wine family now, not to be confused yeah. with the mafia or anything. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, we're great. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of this. It's super fun. <laughs> great. Yes, and then when the next one comes out, we will have you on when the next when the next book comes out. Excellent. 2019. Mark your calendars. <laughs> <laughs> on it. Excellent. And then um, for the for next month, our next book is going to be War Spies and Bobby Socks uh, for the month of August. And Libby Fisher Hellman will be joining us at the end of August. So they're moving up to a different war now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're going from the Civil War to World War Two. Getting <laughs> a couple in between, but you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for watching, and um, I hope you all have a wonderful night. Good, Good night. night.